um, just take a second to um, thank the worship team and our Mosaic students for the reading of scripture this morning. I'm, um, I'm very excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tara Hollingsworth, and I have had the absolute privilege of working with the youth here at Sanctuary. I serve as the director of youth and family ministry, and I've been here for about three and a half years, and it has been the most challenging, rewarding, growth-filled, um, anxious three and a half years of my life. Um, I want to take a moment to um, just say that um, the Mosaic ministry here has been so life-changing for me. Um, if you're a part of Mosaic or you're a teen in Mosaic or a leader, um, there's just such um, a family that we have, and I am just so grateful to serve in Mosaic. Our students are hilarious and brilliant and creative, and they have really, really good ideas, and they have really, really bad ideas, and um, they are just, they're just such a joy to be around, um, and I'm just grateful. So while I'm talking about Mosaic students, I want to talk to the students in the room for a second. Um, I'm so glad that you guys are with us in big church this morning. Um, I just want all the students and the kids in this room and Mosaic students to know um, that we are so grateful that you're a part of our church. We truly, truly believe in you guys. We believe, um, yeah. We truly do believe, and um, I'm only 24, so I wasn't a teenager too long ago, um, but I know that it is really hard to be a teenager, to be a kid, to be a young person. There's so many opinions and teaching, and you listen to people talk so much. You just listen to talking all day long, and that's something that some of us adults probably wouldn't put up with, uh, but there's so many ideas, and it can be confusing and stressful, and you're trying your best, and it, it can just be hard. So I just want to say thank you for sticking it out. Thank you for continuing to grow, um, for continuing to learn. I am encouraged by you guys. And I want you to know that even through the confusion, God sees you. Um, we see you. And we're so grateful that you're here this morning. So now I want to talk to the adults for a second. Um, I just want you to know that throughout this message, um, there may be some verbiage that you don't know. Um, and I don't know, maybe there will be, maybe there won't. But there may be verbiage that you don't know. Um, I love you. I'm not going to translate for you, okay? Um, and the reason why I say that is because sometimes our teenagers sit in this room and they hear so many words that they don't know. And they don't get the opportunity to have translation. Um, so it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay if there's some verbiage or some slang words that you don't know. That's okay. That's just part of it. And it's okay to be uncomfortable. So thank you for your cooperation. Maybe you can ask your student, like, what does that mean? Or do you guys say that? What? Like, okay. Um, but thank you. Thank you for being understanding. I'm just so glad we're just a diverse room of intergenerational people. Um, please pray with me. God, thank you for this church. Wow, Lord, I thank you for sanctuary. What a beautiful place. What beautiful people. God, I thank you that you're here with us this morning. God, that your presence was um, tangible for us this morning. God, I thank you that you're going to continue to be with us. Um, Lord, I just pray that your words would flow through me. God, that the things that you and I have talked about, Lord, would just um, flow through. God, that it would be you speaking through me, Lord. If there's something um, that's written down, God, that I've planned to say that's not your will, God, I pray that you would cause me to forget it or take it out of my mind. Lord, I just pray that this would be honoring to you. God, that we would learn and that we would grow with you, Lord Jesus, and take seriously your word. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. All right, so um, we're currently in a series called Generous God, Generous People. So um, we've heard from Pastor Mike, we've heard from Pastor Rose, Pastor Edrin, um, and we are exploring the fact that since God is so generous, that also makes us generous. But what are some ways that we can grow in generosity? So today I'm going to be talking about um, two different ways to show generosity. That could be in service and in gifts. Now, the research that we've been going through through Thrive and Financial has talked about that when people think of generosity, they most think of serving. That's like the way for most people to serve, but they least likely think of gifts. So uh, when I think of gifts, I think of the five love languages. If you're familiar with that, um, the five language, love languages like words of affirmation, quality time, service, gifts, and what's the other one? Physical touch. So um, not that many people have gifts as their love language. Um, I only know like a few people and you will know those people because they will give you gifts and it's great um, unless they expect one back and then it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know what to do here. Uh, but when I think of love languages, it's, it's actually interesting. I really do have all of them, like every single one. When I test, all of them are high. I have every single love language, they're all even. I have all of them. So I tell my husband, I say, you're so lucky. I have all of them. Any way you choose to show love, I'm just going to receive it. Like, great for you. But then he tends to remind me, actually, no, because since you have all of them, you need all of them. So I have to do all of them. <laughs> and that's true. I do. I do. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I need all of them. I need all the love. Love was the very first word I even learned how to spell. Before my name, I was writing love on everything. It's just who I am. Love me, I'll love you back. Um, so the title of this message today is called Generous, Generous. And in some um, cultures, if you will, we say things twice in order to really get people to understand the emphasis. Or a person. So if you're like, oh, I was with Jim. Jim who? Jim, Jim. Oh, yeah. I don't know why when you say things twice, people get it. But sometimes if you're like, um, oh, I really need, um, I really need to um, work out. And it's like, okay, we're going to go to the gym and work out. No, I need to work out, work out. That means, like, I'm going to go hard. Like, you, I need you to understand what is happening. So we're going to talk about generous, generous. So when I say generous, I mean, like, for real. Like, actual generosity here. So the title of this message is called Generous, Generous. If you have been on Twitter in the past week or two, everyone's repeating things twice. We want people to understand us, okay? When I say generous, I want you to get it. So the title of this message is called Generous, Generous. Um, the words that our students came and um, read from this morning comes from Luke 10, chapter 25 through 37, or chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And this has been a little bit more of a popular verse lately. Um, the fight for justice and social justice has been longstanding. But in the past few years or so, it's become a little bit more mainstream. And I would like to say that is because of the media and a few other reasons. Um, but we've heard this verse um, in this chapter preached on a little bit more often lately. And I've heard it preached so many times. I've actually spoke on it myself. Um, but this time to me was different. Um, I struggled with it more this time. I think it was easier for me when I was hearing it. And I could see myself as the man on the side of the road. Um, to see myself there and, and empathize with that man and know that I've, I've been there. And I felt like... I'm, I'm, I need help, but no one's really hearing me. Or um, I'm trying to tell people that this is happening, but um, people want facts or they want other information before they come to my aid. So it was, it was a lot more easy to sit with the struggle that that man was going through at that moment. But we're going to, um, today we're going to look about, or excuse me, we're going to look at 
what it really can mean to sit in the shoes of the Samaritan man and what that man really had to give up and what the life he really had to live in order to be generous, generous. So we're going to walk through the scripture again, um, and I want to point out a few things. So in, starting in chapter, in verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when I think of him asking this question, he's just like, Jesus, what am I supposed to do to get from here on earth to there in heaven? Just tell me. And I'm pretty sure we can empathize with that man in the moment. We're just like, God, just tell me what to do. Have you ever been there? You're like, God, just tell me and I'll do it. But I just need to know, what am I supposed to do? Verse 26, it said, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So the man asking these questions is a Pharisee. And um, the Pharisees back in this time, they believed that people like Gentiles, Samaritans, tax collectors, any sinners, they were to be hated because they were enemies of God. So when he said, who's my neighbor, he was like, I don't want to know who I have to love. I want to know who I don't have to love. So in verse 30, it says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now, Jerusalem was higher than Jericho. So in order to get from Jerusalem to Jericho, you had to kind of go down a winding road that was very mountainous. The roads were thin. So it was an opportune time for robbers to come um, and be successful in their attempt. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he, ha he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day... He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I, re when I return, I will reimburse you, for reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So he didn't even say the Samaritan. He just said, oh, it was the one who had mercy. Couldn't even say his name. So now hearing this story, um, it reminds me of something I'll share in a moment. But this Samaritan, if we really choose to sit in his shoes this morning, um, he did something that we're called to do as followers of Christ. What he had, he gave it. He was willing to give this man what he had available to him. He didn't think of, um, of his own schedule. He didn't think of where he had to be, his time. Or he didn't think of how little he had if he did. He just said, this is what I have, and I'm going to give it because this man needs it. Now, I'm going to transition us real quick into um, a story that I have. Um, you may have heard of something called the game theory. Now, the game theory helps um, us assess how we would um, make different decisions in different scenarios. So we're going to look at a story called the prison dilemma. And um, I am quite an artist, so some drawings will come up on the screen in here in a second. Um, but this is a story of Anne and Jake. Now, Anne and Jake were um, some interesting people. I drew that. Uh, well, it was a little worse than that. I, I drew it on paper and sent it to Jeremy, and he, like, fixed it. So thank you. But that was, like, the, as, as good as I can do. If, you are, if you're a mosaic, you know I cannot draw. I've tried. Um, but this is a story of Anne and Jake. And now, Anne and Jake, as happy as they are here, Anne and Jake are criminals, okay? They just, just ride around town 
getting it, all right? They, like, they just decided they were just going to go on a spree, and they were just going to find somebody to rob. So they just are conspiring together and like, let's go. We're just going to get in our car, and we're just going to find somebody. So they tried to rob somebody. This person ends up being an authoritative figure. Didn't work. So Anne and Jake, they end up uh, being taken in. When they're taken in, they're questioned. And now Anne and Jake have a very, very interesting scenario that you'll see on the screen here as well. Now, <laughs> I'll walk through it. Don't worry. Now, Anne and Jake, they are being questioned. And now the authorities tell them, they say, Jake, I'm going to give you a couple options. If you snitch on Anne, then you go free. If you, or if you snitch on Anne and she doesn't say anything, you go free. If you snitch on Anne and she snitches on you back, two years. Stay with me. We'll get there. Now, Anne, if you snitch on Jake and he doesn't snitch on you, you can go free. Just let us know. Who, who was at fault here? But Anne, if you remain silent and he snitches on you, then you're going to have the extra time. Or you could both just remain silent. They could stick to the plan, remain silent, and they both only get one year. So they're faced with a few scenarios here. They say, I can rat out my partner and hope they don't rat me out. I can take advantage of them and their, um, their loyalty, and I can go. I'm good. I'm free. Or I could snitch. They could snitch, and we both kind of pay the price. Or we both remain silent, and we are loyal to each other, and we only get a year. We look out for one another. We only get a year. Now, you could say what you want if you were in this scenario. I don't know how many of y'all would not choose um, the opportune go free. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Um, but there's a very <laughs> good reason why I bring this up. Um, so they were in a scenario of I either look out for number one or I look out for the group. So this kind of reminds me um, of a, a situation in our individualistic society. Sometimes it can be so countercultural to look out for the group. It can be so countercultural to put yourself in a bad situation for the sake of someone else. It can even be seen as unwise. If you go do something and put yourself in danger, or you, you have less for yourself so that you can have more for someone else, people may even say that you're unwise. They may say that's not a very good idea, or they may look at you as weak. So best case scenario for you, worst case scenario for them. If you're both selfish, you both lose. If you both are loyal, you both win. But the story of these two prisoners, they kind of remind me of a life that Jesus is calling us to live, in a way. The Good Samaritan was in a similar dilemma. Now, he said, if I help this man on the side of the road, I will have less time, for sure. I'll have less safety, for sure. I'll have less energy, totally, that, that can drain you. I have to walk. I'm putting this man on my donkey. I'll have less energy. I'll have less money. I'll have less resources. I have no idea what will happen to me afterwards, but this man will have life. Or I could keep my schedule. I'm not changing my schedule for anybody. I have things I need to do. I have to stick to a routine in order to be efficient. I could keep my safety. I don't know if these robbers are choosing to lure me in too. I don't know what this man is into. What if I put myself in harm's way? I could keep my safety. I could keep my money. I'm trying to save for this thing anyway. 
I could keep my effort. I really have to be on point at this thing I have to do tonight, so I can't allow anyone to drain me of my energy. I could keep my resources. I actually needed the oil and wine for this thing I had to do. I actually needed it. Or what if I get hurt? Then what am I going to do? He could keep all that, but this man would die. So we see similarly two scenarios. I could look out for me at the expense of you. Or I could look out for you at the expense of me. It's so countercultural. And it, it can be seen, like I said, as unwise or weak to look out for someone else at your own expense. But is that really what Christ is calling us to do? To serve and to give when it doesn't make sense with our schedule, when it doesn't make sense with the amount of energy that we think we have, when it doesn't make sense with the amount of money that we think we have, the amount of skill, the amount of talent. So what do we do? A lot of times we look at the priest in the story and the Levite who just walked on by, we look at them with disgust. You're a, you're a, you're a man of God. You're a follower of Christ. How dare you walk by a man hurting? But this morning we really want to put ourselves in the Samaritan shoes. When's the last time we walked by someone who, who was hurting? We do it every day. So it's simple. The priest and the Levite, they were just preserving for themselves. They were just preserving their time. They were preserving their energy. They were preserving their resources and their money. And a lot of times we, we do that. I don't believe this is a life that Christ has called us to. Being a neighbor, like the Samaritan said, or like the Samaritan was, that's, it's hard. It's not easy. We like to talk about being a neighbor, but that's not the easiest thing to do because it's going to cost you something. And if you're a neighbor, you will have less. Philippians 2, chapter three, or verses 3 through 4 says, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. What does that life really look like? I believe that it really looks like the Samaritan. He didn't consider what he needed for himself. He considered what this man needed. This um, individualism, it, it begs to preserve for yourself. But the gospel begs to preserve for others. The son of man didn't come to serve. The son of man came to be served. So I want to ask us this morning, um, are you at your job to serve or to be served? Are you at this church to serve? Or are you at this church to be served? Are you in your marriage to serve? Are you in your marriage to be served? This morning, I want us to really look at our life and mirror it with the Bible. Mirror it with the gospel. This word is, is, is challenging. This word is tough. But if we mirror it to our lives, then we'll really see how much of this gospel we're living out. We are generous because of Christ living in us. But how can we live this life every single day to where we are generous, generous? To be a neighbor will cost you something, and it's okay. It's okay for things to cost you. In this community, we seek to be a neighbor to this community. But I do want to point out that we are neighbors by proof and not proximity. You can live right next door to somebody and never be a neighbor. But at the same time, we can live thousands of miles away and be a neighbor. I want to thank you guys for praying for um, me last week. I know that Pastor Rose, I'll let you guys know that me and a few other girls were doing a crazy run. <laughs> That's what everyone called it. That crazy run. And it was crazy. We ran 75 miles. Um, yeah. 15 miles a day for five days. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but the reason why we were doing it was because there are women um, in Nepal who are being uh, sex trafficked. Now, there's a people group in Nepal called the Badi people. They all share the last name Badi. And they're at the bottom of their case system. So when people see them in public, they see them as sexual objects that are kind of like a, a bit of a free-for-all for everyone. Um, and these young women, they are um, sold at very young ages. Um, when the woman finds out that she's pregnant, um, she can bring the proof that it's a girl to a man and promise that this young girl can be sold when she's born. Um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very sad thing. Um, but we can be a neighbor to that kind of woman. Because you're a neighbor by proof and not proximity. If you are a neighbor, you have to prove it. If we're truly going to be like the Samaritan man and walk this life of the Samaritan man, we have to neighbor by proof. I'm not telling you to run 75 miles. I'm really not. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I recommend it. Uh, maybe start with like one or something. Um, but I am telling you that we have an opportunity to be neighbors because we have resources that we can give. We have things that we can do. If you don't have money, you can give your time. If you don't have time, you can give something else. We're neighbors by proof. We're not neighbors by proximity. So I do want to um, close us with this thought. I want to challenge us to truly live a life that's generous, generous. I want us to imagine if, like the Samaritan man, we chose to love and give without background information. What if we chose to love and we chose to give without all the facts? What if we chose to love and give like the word of God says it, it says to, and we matched up our lives with the word of God? I believe that we wouldn't only love on other people and we wouldn't only show um, other people the love of Christ, but we would also experience the heart of Christ for ourselves. That we would also feel the love of God for ourselves because this is the heart of God. That we don't only preserve for ourselves, but we preserve for others. I, I really believe that this is something the world can experience, and I believe this is something that we can experience, but it's not easy. What if instead of preserving for ourselves, we pre preserved for somebody else? What, what if instead of only voting for ourselves to protect ourselves, we voted to protect other people? What if instead of only saving up for ourselves, we saved up for other people? If we didn't hoard our resources. But if, like the Samaritan man, we said, I have this and I'll give it. It may not be much, but everything I can do for you, I'm going to do it. It's not my job up here this morning to tell you guys exactly where to serve. And it's not my job to tell you exactly where to give. But I believe that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you where it is that you can be a neighbor. In what area of your life, in what area of your surroundings you can be a neighbor. And that's where I have to let it go and trust that the Holy Spirit is working in all of our lives. I'm not done being a neighbor. Just because I finished those miles, I'm not, I'm not done. I don't get to check off neighbor and keep it moving. I still have to be a neighbor every day. And I still have to be a neighbor in, in the little situations. And I want to challenge us. If we're in this community, if we are stationed right here, we're not going anywhere. We bought this thing. We're not going anywhere then we really can have an opportunity to be a community every single day. This isn't easy, and I, I acknowledge that. And it's countercultural, and I get that. Um, I pray that the Lord gives us grace 
to live like the Samaritan and that when it, it gets hard that we continue to push through and that even though we don't have as much that we continue to push through and that when we wonder what's going to happen to us, what's going to happen to me if I give? What's going to happen to me if I live this way? I want to challenge us to know that our reward is truly in heaven. The worship team is going to play, and I'll come back and um, send us out. But please feel free to stand. Feel free to kneel. Feel free to sit there. Um, but let the Holy Spirit reveal to you where you can be a neighbor in your life this morning. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. 